0: Good day, welcome to the Business Agora, a series of conversations aimed to be supportive in your business and your life, held with our community here at Workspace 365. My name is Michael Benson, I'm the CEO at Workspace 365, and I'm here with our community engagement lead, Al Jeffrey, who will be your host for a number of these conversations. Thanks, Michael. And thank you for joining us for the Agora.
1: Agora means the gathering or the exchange. And in these conversations, we hope to connect you with some of the humans of the Workspace 365 community, bring light to their stories, their insights into business, leadership, and well-being, and offer useful resources and tips for navigating business post-COVID-19. So let's dive in. So, today I thought I'd take a little moment to share a little bit about myself and, um, yeah, my role here at Workspace 365 and also uh, in the world beyond Workspace 365, and also just offer some notes on mindfulness and mindful or compassionate communication during this time. And so, yeah, my name is L. Jeffrey and I'm Community Engagement Lead here at Workspace 365. Um, the founder and facilitator at the base between, and we work with Workspace Three Six Five in both a community and leadership development capacity. And so, I suppose through a community development lens, really looking to build uh, or to support Workspace Three Six Five in in creating a community that is connected, that uh, is meaningful, and that has a, a real strong sense of authenticity about it. And so part of that is when we could, helping design and produce events that cohere and connect the community, helping develop ways, whether it's through our new community Slack channels coming up this week. So if you're listening and you're not on our community Slack channels just yet, make sure you check your email for an invitation. You should have received one. That is, of course, if you are a Workspace 365 member, and lucky enough to be part of it. Um, and really creating new ways in this, of course, interesting time to continue connecting our community. And this is not only to, for us to connect with our community, but to create ways for our community and members to connect with each other so that you can, in a very autonomous and self-organizing way, connect with others who you may be able to either just share a drink with and share updates, advice, or celebrate wins together but also to refer business and to support each other in your business itself. And so that's really the community development lens and then the leadership development. A lot of my work, uh, not only with Workspace 365's team, but also other teams and leadership teams is really around mindfulness-based leadership practices or mindfulness-based emotional intelligence within leadership. And what does that look like in terms of creating spaces for creativity, for trust, for sharing um, and for meaningful work. And so a lot of the work that uh, we do behind the scenes at Workspace 365 is really about mindfulness and communication practices that help us really uh, be human at work and really enjoy what it is that we're doing. Um, And so I thought I'd share a little bit about that today just as a way to also maybe share some things that might be supportive for all of us in this time when there is prolonged uncertainty and you know rapid change in the environments that we move in both at work and and in life so mindfulness and compassionate or mindful communication can really support us in these times but also just to note that you know workspace 365 really acknowledges that Our community and the integrity of our community begins with our team and our internal community. Um, If our team, in the way that we communicate with each other, the way that we connect with each other, uh, isn't coherent or congruent and authentic, then it's incredibly hard to create a community of members uh, with the likes of yourself that is congruent or coherent and authentic. And so we really take our internal community and our team culture really important, uh, really seriously, knowing that the ways that we behave and and work together will really influence the workplace and the experience that we're able to invite you into. And so that's why we really take a, a twin approach and that's why at the base between, we usually pair leadership development with community development, because it really builds coherence when you think about systems design or complexity theory, but that's a whole other thing. So, yeah, I thought in just a a short snapshot to share a couple of notes around mindfulness and mindful communication in this time, why it might be useful, and also some very practical tools. Um, mindfulness, just for those who don't practice mindfulness, um, is not about not thinking. And, you know, there are many, uh, I suppose, preconceptions or ideas of what mindfulness is or meditation is uh, portrayed by the media, such as someone sitting on a beach in a perfect cross-legged yoga pose, apparently not thinking whatsoever. And that's kind of what mindfulness or meditation is sold as, but unfortunately, that's not, that's not how it actually is. And so many of us discount it or think that we can't do it. And so don't really give it a try, but I like to reframe mindfulness as simply retraining our thinking. So retraining our attention, which is to say it's just noticing where our attention is, noticing our thoughts, not doing anything with them as such, not trying to stop them, not trying to change them, just simply being able to notice them without being swayed by them. And in that, having the freedom to choose whether we pursue certain thoughts or whether we might pursue a different thought. And so it's really, I think it was Viktor Frankl in his book man's search for meaning he was a neuroscientist in a um uh a camp in world war ii a concentration camp and he realized that whilst his circumstances were dire and he was experiencing incredible stress he could choose to either allow himself to be lost and swayed by the stress or to to choose to make something of it. And he realized that his freedom really existed in the pause, the space between stimulus, whether it's um, you know a daunting task list, whether it's a difficult conversation or whether it's a boiling hot day, his freedom existed in the space between or the pause between that stimulus and his response. And to notice that he actually had a choice there that it wasn't, didn't need to be this reactive pattern all the time that was habitual and built on certain tendencies, that there was actually a choice that could exist in, in taking pause between stimulus and response. And he could start to be a little bit more responsive to his environment in his life rather than reactive and living out similar tendencies or patterns. And so mindfulness is simply creating that pause. It's creating that opportunity for choice, a kind of choicefulness. Um, and so a way to do that is often through connecting to the senses. The senses are really what's in contact with, with our environment and what's here. And then through interpreting our senses through a kind of inference or cognition or appraisal, we make sense of our senses in our world based on our beliefs and our values and prior experience. And so connecting with the senses is, is in a sense, the most direct way of connecting with, with what's here without tainting it in a kind of story or narrative that might be useful or it might not be. And so the breath is often one that's used because it has not only psychological purposes in anchoring our attention, it also has physiological um, impacts on our nervous system and calming the nervous system out of a sympathetic or fight or flight response. And so the breath is most often used as an anchor in mindfulness practice. And I suppose something that I find really useful to explore or explain for those maybe just starting out in a mindfulness practice or meditation practice is the kind of architecture of meditation. And again, it's not to not think, it's not to stop thinking, Um, it's to notice when we're thinking uh, without getting lost in thought or without living too deeply into that storyline. And so... Meditation usually has four parts, I like to say. The first part is to set an anchor, which I've just explored is often the breath, but it could also be the senses, it could also be the sounds, it could also be sight. Um, But I'd suggest sticking with the breath to begin. So choosing an anchor and anchoring your attention to that anchor. The next step is that the mind will wander and it most definitely will. And so when it wanders is to notice that it wanders and that's the third step. The fourth step is to gently bring your attention back to your anchor. So, the first step is to set the anchor. The second step, which will be done for you, you definitely don't have to do this, that the mind will wander. It's the second step. The third step, importantly, is to notice that the mind wanders. And over time, you'll start to notice more often. And you're trying to get up your kind of NPM, your noticings per minute, the more often you're able to notice. Up, oh, I've slipped into thinking. Up, oh, I'm planning. Up, oh, I'm remembering. Um, and you can, might note that you're thinking. Just say thinking or thinking. And then the third step is to gently come back to your anchor. And it's important, and you'll hear many meditation teachers talk about the importance of compassion in the meditation practice. Because when you slip into thinking, as you will, it's important not to get down on yourself and think that you've done it wrong or you failed at meditation. In actual fact you're just a human with a mind and so when you notice that your mind has wandered or you've gone into thought uh, it is very useful to even just imagine yourself smiling when you bring yourself back to your anchor and so that's just a brief architecture of meditation and i always find it useful to note mainly to note that thinking is an important part actually of meditation practice um, it's the second step and so to include it and to have it be part of, part of the, uh, the opportunity, here. every time we've noticed that we've drifted into thinking, it's actually the perfect opportunity to strengthen our muscle of remembering and of returning and of retraining our attention. So it's not only great in this time, but in all time, you know, we've got so many distractions. We've got whole teams of neuroscientists and psychologists behind apps these days and websites, uh, all trying to hack our attention to have us stay on their news feeds for as long as possible. And so poor little us, whether we've studied psychology or not, we definitely don't have the ability to compete with hundreds of psychologists who are being paid very well to hack our attention. So the more we can do to gain a kind of empowerment or sovereignty in where we place our attention and how we navigate it, um, the better that we'll be able to feel really empowered in our ability to respond to our environment. But of course, in this time, there is a lot more moving and changing than normal as well. And so mindfulness is almost more important than ever. Uh, and so I'd say, you know, mindfulness doesn't have to be a 10-minute practice. It doesn't have to be in five minutes. It could just be two minutes before you take your first bite of your meal, as hard as it sounds, or it could just be, you know, a couple of minutes in the morning before you hit your emails or turn your computer on. Um, just taking a couple of moments to sit to anchor with the breath and to notice where your mind goes and see if you can bring it back. It's just a great way to practice this kind of retraining of attention and to give yourself more choicefulness, as I spoke about. And so how this shows up in relationship, um, I mean, it might be obvious already, but in relationship and especially in this time, whether you're living apart from friends, close ones, or a partner, or whether you're living together, either way, you're at more distance Or you're totally enmeshed in each other's space, it's likely to be more tension in conversations and in interactions. There's likely possibly also to be some important decisions to make, which inevitably will bring up a possible difference in opinion and again tension. And so how we navigate this again with a sense of choicefulness and compassion is important. Um, Understanding that we're all doing the best we can with what we've got, And we all just have different things. We've got different histories. We've got different beliefs. We've got very different experiences of the here and now. And so mindfulness allows us again to create that pause and to not be reactive in what we say and possibly say something that later on we might feel a little bit embarrassed or regretful about. But to check in with ourselves before we respond to make sure that it's something that is useful that's based more on curiosity and understanding than on simply being right. Um, And that invites a kind of collaborative communication where we're here working it out together. And so something that I just like to think about is, and it's the kind of, as a saying, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Um, And I know in relationship for me, it's. I notice myself wanna be right first up and it's just damn hard work trying to be right all the time. Um, Cause sometimes I'm not, <laughs> I'll be honest. But if I wanna be happy, then that helps me uh, position myself in relationship in a more collaborative way. It's like, we both wanna be happy, Let's instead of both trying to be right, let's be right together. So we're actually both sitting on the same side of the table and the challenge is on the other side of the table instead of both of us on the opposite sides of the table with the challenge in the middle. And that's just a a kind of way of visualizing it for me, which I find useful and maybe you will too, is if there is something that you're facing in a relationship, and again, this doesn't have to be romantic, it could be a friend, it could be a colleague. If there's something coming up, can you put that something on the other side of the table and both of you sit on one side together rather than both of you sitting on opposite sides of the table with the challenge in the middle? And it's kind of a standoff thing that then feels like uh one person is trying to be right and so that's one piece just to as a frame to visualize how you might set up these conversations and even making it explicit and saying that look i really want this conversation to feel like to feel collaborative um, and i'd like to position it in a way so that it feels as if we're both sitting on the same side of the table How would you like to feel in this conversation? And just making it really upfront. You're kind of designing the conversation together. Like, how do you want this conversation to feel? I don't want it to feel combative and standoffish. This is how I want it to feel. And you make that explicit and then creates a kind of social accountability. So that's another way that you might go about creating a little bit more harmony in relationships or interactions where it might be a little bit tense. So I'll, I'll leave it there, but just a couple of notes on mindfulness. And hopefully if you already practice mindfulness or meditation, something there rung for you and maybe just a gentle reminder. Or if you don't, then maybe something also rung for you and um, might be an invitation to just to to practice something that, you know, you don't even have to call it mindfulness, it could just be called attention training, uh, whatever it is that works for you, um, but hope something landed and it's great to connect. Um, and feel free to email me at any point at al at workspace365.com.au or connect with me at aljeffrey.com um, or on LinkedIn. Well, I look forward to staying connected. And again, if you aren't on our Slack channels already, then make sure you check your emails because you should have an invitation and it'd be great to start connecting online. Um. Thank you for joining us for another agora conversation and we trust you took away
0: something useful thank you al that's right if you are already a member with us we look forward to seeing you in an office or an event really soon if you aren't a member with us we'd love to welcome you to one of our centers across melbourne south melbourne footscray and torquay very soon please be in touch and call us on 1800 work now or on the web at www.workspace365.com.au.
1: We look forward to continuing to connect with you and you with our community here at Workspace 365. We'll see you again shortly.